Hello and welcome to On the Mound here on The Voice of Ithaca College. I'm Max Tanzer, joined alongside Matt Sossler and Tommy Muma as we say hello for the first time since March. We will be here every Sunday from 10.30 to 11 a.m. bringing you all the baseball news and opinions you need to know. And guys, there is probably not a better time to start than right now with the recent conclusion of the reconstructed wildcard series and the American League and National League Division Series right on the horizon. And what do you know, Tommy, your Yankees pulled off a monument Monumental series sweep over the Indians last week. Before we get into those up-and-coming series, why don't you walk us through your reactions from last week? Well, I can't say enough good things about it. I mean, they were slumping, obviously, coming in uh, to the postseason. They came out ready to go. That Aaron Judge home run was huge for them um, to get them going. Garrett Cole was outstanding. And the offense, they really bounced back. They were great that whole series. And um, you know, Giancarlo Stanton, nice to see him get going. Gio Urshela, the star of Game 2. Um, you know, he was the star, but at the same time, DJ LeMahieu, he comes through in the clutch all the time. He had an outstanding year, won the batting title. So, you said it, though. I'm really excited for the series against the Rays coming up. Big rivalry. I saw the other day that some people think that it's kind of like overtaking Yankees-Red Sox. I don't know about that. Um, but it's really going to be a fun one. I'm excited for it. Yeah, absolutely, Tommy. And I think what's so fun about all of these division series matchups is it's all inner division. you got the Rays and the Yankees in the AL East, the Astros and the A's, which is a rivalry this season in itself, both in the American League West. And you got the Braves and the Marlins, who are both in the National League East. And then the Padres and the Dodgers, which is another really fun matchup as well. I think some really exciting and intense October baseball is brewing. And Matt, I'll turn to you now. Out of those four series, we got the American League Division Series starting tomorrow, Monday night, the National League Division Series starting on Tuesday evening. For Matt, 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 for you, which of those four series is the most exciting and compelling for you? Well, I'm going to pick two. I'm going to copy Tommy for a little bit. I like the Yankees and the Rays, a classic AL East rivalry. They've been on each other's tails the past two or three years. And even though Tampa dominated in the regular season series, they won that one 8-2. to two. You know, New York Yankees in October, when it's especially in the division series, best of five starting pitching means a lot. And both of these teams have the powerful arms that it takes in order to advance, in order to get to those best of sevens in the championship series and the World Series. So I'm excited for that. These teams know each other very well, especially this year. And I think it's kind of fun that we get divisional play considering in the wildcard series. We didn't see a lot of that. And you saw teams facing each other for the first time this whole season. And now it's going to be like good old times where you have every team playing each other. They've at least played each other a lot in the regular season. So now they're going to get to play each other when it actually counts in the postseason where you get to vie for a title. And to further on, my second most intriguing series has got to be the Oakland-Houston series. Not really from a baseball perspective because Oakland is a much better team, not only on paper, but, you know, in general. However, you know, it's sort of the culmination. You have Mike Fires, the Oakland Athletics, playing the Houston Astros in the postseason. And it's sort of a full circle moment, you know, even though we really didn't get the Astros bashing that we were predicting back in February and January. But it's still going to be a good time, and we'll see a true rivalry show there, which is what all, which is what postseason baseball is all about. 
Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And I think the biggest storyline for me, as you touched on a little bit, is that Ramon Laureano storyline going into that game. Back earlier in the season, the first couple weeks or so, Laureano and the Astros bench had a little bit of an altercation, to say the least. And those two teams want to play each other. I know the Oakland Athletics a couple weeks ago said they wanted to play that Astros team in that American League wildcard series. Well, guess what? The stakes are raised just a little bit higher in that American League division series. And I think it's very interesting because I think a lot of people are sleeping on the Astros, and don't get me wrong, they were a couple games below 500, and they're not the same Astros team, but they are not a terrible team. They are not the Milwaukee Brewers that somehow found a way to sneak into the postseason this year as the 16th team. I put them as that 16th team, but with the Astros, you still got Bregman, Correa, and so forth. I know Altuve's had a tough year, but it's still Jose Altuve, and the pitching staff, a lot of guys coming under the radar who are very good picking up for Justin Verlander. Two of the biggest guys I really like. Uh, Christian Javier who's putting up a really good rookie campaign. Valdez the lefty as well was good out of the bullpen in game one against the Twins. And then you got Lance McCullers coming back for the first time in a couple years. Still trying to find that groove but we know he is nasty. Really good really good breaking ball. High spin rate fastball. Uh, one of the more underlooked pitchers in the game and probably because of the Tommy John surgery but I'd say if you give him a chance to, pit, to pitch and I think Dusty Baker will. It'll be interesting and fun to watch against that A's ball club. Something else I wanted to talk about and get your guys' opinion on, and I'll start with you first, Tommy, is that both central teams, and I should say the central bubble because each different region of Major League Baseball teams in America played their teams. The West teams played the West teams, whether it be AL and NL, Central, East, and so forth. The Central sent seven teams combined to the postseason this year. Four in the National League, three in the American League. All of them eliminated in the first round. What do you guys think about that, starting with you, Tommy? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty bizarre. I I definitely wouldn't have expected, I mean, you think about how hot the White Sox were coming into the post, or, well, they were cold, but, I mean, um, you know, the, the good season that they had, I was kind of hoping that they would advance. Um, but, yeah, it's really surprising to see that none of them were, I mean, the Twins, the type of year that they had, they were great. Uh, Cleveland, another really good team there. They're pitching. I kind of was a little worried as a Yankees fan there. I thought that Shane Bieber. I think that's the um, one team that no one wanted to play just because of Shane Bieber alone. You're right, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. And, I mean, you think about the three pitchers that they were going to throw at the Yankees during that series. They didn't get to Plesak, but um, with Bieber and Carrasco, I was a little worried because I talked about it a little before. The Yankees were struggling coming into that. So I definitely thought Cleveland had a good chance to – um, you know, especially if they got past the Yankees to go pretty deep into the postseason. Um, and the Twins, I feel bad for them. I mean, losing 18 straight in the postseason, that, I don't know. It, but they weren't even tough. competitive, right? I mean, maybe throw out the Cardinals and the White Sox. The rest of the Central teams were competitive. And you know that better than anyone, Matt, with your Cubs. Yeah, going off of that, I think, I honestly don't know what to say about the Central. We were saying back in January and February, even pre-pandemic, that we were expecting three teams out of the NL Central to make the postseason, whether it was a combo of the Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers, or Reds. And, you know, with the expanded postseason, we were fortunate enough to get four. However, as you mentioned, other than the St. Louis Cardinals, out of that NL Central team, you know, Cincinnati not giving their pitchers any help. The Cubs only giving two of the best pitchers in Major League Baseball one run of support. And that was the big issue. Not only with the Cubs and the Reds, but the other teams as well. Is These teams all have phenomenal pitching. You look at the Reds with Castillo, Gray, and Bauer. 
And you look at the Cubs with Darvish Hendricks, and then if they had the chance to throw John Lester, then that's a phenomenal rotation as well. However, again, the offense, the bats going quiet throughout the Central, and it's kind of interesting, you know, it makes you think how would these teams perform even if you look and take the Cubs or the Reds on one of their hot streaks in the regular season, if they had to roll through the East or the West, how would things have changed? How would the postseason standings be different? What would the matchups look like? It's all a question that's interesting and we really can't answer due to the fact that they only played their set of divisions. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point right there, and I think the biggest key is that there was only 60 games. But something I was thinking about, and I'm curious to see what you guys think on it, is the fact that if you look at, let's say, the American League Central, per se, for example, you got the Twins, White Sox, and Indians who are all dominant, really some of the best teams in Major League Baseball this year, and it was that three-headed monster that was pacing that division and pacing the American League playoff race, in my opinion, because if I'm correct here, they were all separated by one game, or at least one or two, and all their records were high. And I think generally when you... You know, when you're looking at a team and judging them going into the postseason, you are going to look on that record, but it's different this year. As Matt mentioned, you're only playing your little bubble for the Indians, White Sox, and uh, Twins. That was that central bubble. And if you actually go back and look at it, each of those teams at one point had a tear where they were winning games left and right, and then they would have a cold streak for the White Sox that was at the end of the year, um, and where they actually were the first team to clinch and then blew that division lead. And I think they were able to take advantage of each other when they were cold and pick up a bunch of wins and vice versa. And because of that, their records all were very high and very close. But at the end of the day, I think that fooled a lot of fans going into these series is literally they did not show up. The Cleveland Indians, I guess you could argue, had a really good game, too, against the Yankees, in which the pitching didn't show up, but they really dug or dig deep through that one and were very gritty. The White Sox had a good series against the A's, but then the Twins did not look like the Minnesota Twins we saw in the regular season. What are your thoughts on that, Tommy? Yeah, I I was definitely surprised, and I, I think you're exactly right about that, um, that they since they weren't able to see other teams in the league, it kind of fooled people. Um, and, you know, that's just the 60-game season. I mean, you think about the Marlins even. Um, they had some good competition that they played this season there in the East, but that was kind of a surprise. I don't think anybody really saw them doing anything. And, um, you know, I think they they got lucky in uh, some aspects as well. I just think overall in the 60-game season, uh, the Central's a good example of it. But we saw things that we definitely weren't expecting, as we do every year, but even more so. Um, in the shortened year. And I think something big, too, is if you throw the Phillies and the Giants, who both finished a game out of that last wildcard spot behind the Brewers, and you throw them in the Central, do they make the playoffs? I think there's a good chance that they do. And then if you throw the Brewers or any of those other borderline Central teams in the West or the East, particularly the East, I think that was the most competitive one, uh, to say the least, uh, you got to wonder, are they as successful? Marlins may be better if they're playing easier teams. Same story with the Phillies and same story with all those teams that were incredibly, incredibly close but could not hold on in the final day. Um, so let's shift gears just a little bit and look forward here. I know we already talked about what the series are we're looking most forward to, but why don't we put some predictions out here is we're just a day away from the ALDS and a couple days away from the National League Division Series. Tommy, I'll start with you. What's your prediction for Rays, Yankees, best of five? I, I have a feeling I know what you're going with right here, but I'm curious. I'm curious if maybe just a little sliver of you is going to be unbiased right here. Well, I think I am probably going to be a little biased. I'm going to take the <laughs> Yankees in five games. I um, I don't know. This is one that I definitely worry about the Yankees 
lost eight of the ten games in which they played the Rays this year, so obviously that's not great. But that was during a period of time where they had injuries as well, so you have to take that into account now that their lineup is back at full strength. Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, um, and Luke Voigt. You got to watch him as well because his foot was bothering him in the Cleveland series. So they they definitely need him to be healthy and ready to go if they're gonna um, be competitive here against the Rays. But um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be a good series. I don't know. I kind of do think that the Rays are going to win this, but I, I certainly think the Yankees can. I mean, we all know what they can do. We got to see it against Cleveland, and hopefully the pitching can be a little better than they were in Game 2, but it's going to be fun to watch. I did not expect that to come out of your mouth right there. All right, we have a recording of Tommy saying that there's a chance the Rays win this one. What are you thinking, Matt? <laughs> um, I got to go with Tampa here. I go Tampa in five. You know, I was thinking about Tampa in four however you know just recently being reminded that the Yankees are at as full strength as they possibly can be considering their injury woes not only this year but in prior years as well however Glasnost and Snell you know and Morton as well that three-headed monster in the rotation is what's going to get it done for Tampa they know how to win they took eight of ten from New York in the regular season however one thing that is different to consider is both these teams are being forced to fly across country to play in the bubble down in southern california so that's going to be a huge thing you know tampa had the yankees numbered down at tropicana field they took some games at yankee stadium as well however you know this whole home field advantage being non-existent for the most part may change some things but still again that three-headed monster down in tampa and the way they've been playing baseball kevin cash is a revolutionary when it comes to managing, especially in the postseason. So we'll see some old-fashioned versus new-fashioned with the Yankees and the Rays. But I got, again, Tampa in five. I'm going with Tampa in four. And I'm, I like how you mentioned the three-headed monster uh, for the Rays when you have Snell, Glasnow, and Morton. And then Yarbrough, too, has been good. I know he doesn't go as deep. But the biggest key for me over the Yankees right now with the Rays is the bullpen. And I think going into this season, the Yankees and the Rays, you could argue, had the two best bullpens in Major League Baseball. But it hasn't been the same story for the Yankees this year. Uh, minus Chapman and Britton and a handful of other guys. Ottavino has really struggled and so forth. The list goes on. And I think with the Rays, when you have Nick Anderson and co leading and pacing the way in the American League and all of Major League Baseball in bullpen strength uh, in a best of five series with no days off that is going to be absolutely crucial but I do think the Yankees take game one just because Garrett Cole is one Garrett Cole and the Rays struggle mightily to hit against high velocity pitching one of the worst teams in Major League Baseball against pitches above 95 miles an hour so I think that will heavily benefit Garrett Cole and then you're going Tanaka Garcia and Happ in any order you would like to consider it right there in games two three and four and they're not as overpowering with their fastballs Debbie I think can get up in the upper 90s I believe uh, but still I think you can rely on Taka Tan- excuse me Tanaka enough to potentially give you one more game but I do think the Rays are a little bit deeper in terms of pitching and the bats are swinging it well coming off that Blue Jays series so I'm very confident in them in four all right let's go back to you Matt now we got the A's and the Astros you mentioned it one of the more exciting series coming into next week uh, who do you got in that one I'm taking the Athletics in four in that. I think, you know, typically I would have said Oakland in three. However, we saw what the White Sox were able to do behind Lucas Giolito. And the Astros do have pitching. They have Lance McCullers, who's been inching to get back to postseason play. He's been injured the past couple of years, so he'll definitely have a little bit of fire behind his start. And also, Houston's a good enough team where they're not going to drop three in a row. I know it's three game or five games in five days, potentially. 
But Oakland, too good of a ball team. They played very well against the White Sox, rebounding in Game 2. In Game 3, as I said, after getting shut down by Giolito. And this Oakland team, they have not been able to make it far in the postseason. They've been the victim of the wild card game quite some time over the past couple of years. And I think this is their time to break through. We'll see what happens in the championship series if they get there. But Houston, again, they're below 500. You know, I was making arguments earlier that, you know, we had two teams below 500, just cut them each and give the one seat a bye. But Houston's showing they could beat Minnesota, even though Minnesota is not that hot of a postseason team, as Tommy mentioned, 0 for 18. And, but still, Oakland, Oakland and four, I, they're the better team, hands down. And Houston, I don't want to say they're lucky to be here because they've made it this far, but, you know, Oakland's playing with some fire behind them, not only on the field, but off the field as well. So they're going to be passionate and they're going to get it done. Yeah, I mean, I think that you made a lot of good points, Matt. I think that Oakland is 100% the better team. And I honestly do think that Houston is lucky to be there. Um, they had a losing record in the regular season. And, you know, we mentioned the 60-game season. I feel like they would have been over 500 if they had a full year. But I'm actually going to take Houston in five in this one. Okay, okay. Huh. And uh, the someone reason, wants a matchup. And that's why I'm saying it, because I just think that would be incredible. <laughs> Uh, to see the the Yankees play the Astros, I think that'd be good for baseball. But um, I agree with everything you said, Matt. They're a really strong team there in Oakland. Um, I like them a lot, and I think it's going to be a good series. Um, I just think that Houston. You heard Correa after they beat the Twins, how you know they have something to prove. They they still feel like they've been wronged, which you know I don't necessarily agree with that. But if that's gonna you know push them past Oakland. Um, I think it could, and, you know, I'm looking forward to this series, and I'm looking forward to what it could maybe bring down the line as well. I'll tell you, Tommy, and I agree with you in the fact that I'd love to see that matchup, because generally I, I don't like to see rematches in the championship series and the World Series, and for the Astros-Yankees, that would be, what, third time since 2017 that we saw that matchup. But yeah. with these circumstances, that would be absolutely electric. Disappointing that no fans could go, because I can only imagine how rumptious Yankee Stadium would be in those circumstances. But I do have to go with the A's right here, and I, I think it's a clean sweep. And the big thing for me is the A's have one of the better bullpens in Major League Baseball, just like the Rays. A really steady starting pitching staff. Now that Montas and Manea have not been the starters they expected them to be, I going into the season those were probably their top two uh, Chris Bassett has really stepped up for them uh, was really good in his last outing uh, so I have a lot of confidence in this A's team right now their biggest kryptonite is the fact that they cannot hit they're one of the worst offensive teams in Major League Baseball uh, and losing Matt Chapman in the middle of their order while he again isn't that guy that stands out to you offensively because he's a little bit more overshadowed by his defense uh, was the guy leading the way in that three spot four spot and losing him is big Matt Olson has continued to struggle I think he just finished the season just to smidge below the Mendoza line uh, so they're going to need some bats to heat up but I got to imagine Ramon Laureano who's already been heating up at least mentally in his head against this Astros team trying to get some revenge for the last month and a half or so is very likely going to come out of this right out of the gate swinging the bat hot I'm really excited to watch him just against the Astros by himself it's going to be a fun series I do say say the A sweep all right, let's take the turn to the National League, and I should really say take a turn south as they'll be playing at Minute Maid Park in Houston and Globe Life Field in Arlington, Texas. Let's start out with the Padres and the Dodgers. Quite a series. Uh, let's start with you, Tommy. Who do you got in that one? 
I'm going to take the Dodgers in this one. I think that they are the best team in baseball. They certainly played like in the regular season. And what's really encouraging for me, too, is that you saw Clayton Kershaw pitch so well uh, there in Game 2 against Milwaukee at 13 strikeouts, which was really impressive. Um, his postseason struggles, they've been well documented over the years, and I think that's really impressive. You look at their lineup, too, it's just unbelievable. You have Mookie, Cody Bellinger. Um, it goes on and on with them. They're just a tremendous team. They have a great bullpen. So I think that the Dodgers are going to win. Uh, but I certainly think that uh, the Padres can as well. We've seen what they've been able to do. They're one of my favorite teams um, other than the Yankees this year. They've just been great. Uh, Fernando Tatis, he's just been a great story throughout the entire year. Um, they have Manny Machado and a mix of some veterans as well. You got Eric Hosmer. So I like their team a lot as well. But I'm going to take the Dodgers here in uh, in four games. I think the Padres are going to win one. But um, this is another fun one. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I got to agree with Tommy. I got to go Dodgers in four here. And the main reason why is the L.A. pitching. You got Walker Buehler and Clayton Kershaw game one and game two. Uh, even though Kershaw, as Tommy said, has struggled in the postseason in the past, I think still you're gonna get you're gonna they're gonna get both those games san diego even though they're one of they're a phenomenal offensive team you know even on social media as well slam diego however against that dodger pitching i don't see them getting past that especially in the postseason you get a young team in the postseason like the padres that get they're gonna get stopped by these pitching however the thing with the Padres is they are my least confident. The Dodgers are my least confident pick, I should say, in this round in the division series because the Padres remind me a lot of the 2015 Cubs, a bunch of young guys coming in against the best team in baseball, and they knocked them out. The Cubs knocked the Cardinals out in 2015. I would not be surprised if San Diego does the same here. However, again, the Dodgers, clearly the best team in baseball on all sides of the game. But, again, my least confident pick, but Dodgers in four. I am going to say the Dodgers in five, and I think the Padres are really going to come up and show up here against this really good Dodgers team. Again, we're really tight against each other in the regular season through the 60-game season. Um, and the biggest key for me, again, I know I have the Dodgers winning this, but if the Padres are going to have a chance in this and at least take it to five games, if not win it, it's going to rely on the fact that they could at least bring Denelson Lamette back, who is a under-the-radar Cy Young pick, who has been leading the way in their pitching staff this season, and then Mike Clevenger as well. Both of them were out for this wild-card series, and the fact that Tingler was able to throw out nine different pitchers in Game 3 of that wild-card series back on last Friday, and they were able to pick up a shutout 4 nothing victory is absolutely unbelievable to me. The fact that they had their two best pitchers out and went with Paddock who struggled this season Davies and then a bullpen by committee with nine guys able to beat that Cardinals team was really impressive coming into this they'll have a couple days off three days off if I'm correct here and then we'll start on Tuesday and you got to imagine that if Lamette is healthy and ready to go he'll be starting that game one against Walker Buehler and I'd be excited for that one and the other big thing for the Padres their bullpen as well they're really steady in every asset of the game when you think of the offense starting pitching and the bullpen and I think that's why if there's any team like Matt said is that's going to beat the Dodgers it is probably the San Diego Padres and look they're familiar with them they saw them all the entire regular season 
So if there's, as I said, if there's one team that's going to beat them, it's the San Diego Padres. Let's move to the final of four series starting this week. The Miami Marlins, the underdog, the team that I think has not got enough attention here in the first week or so in this postseason against the Atlanta Braves, who cruised through the wild card series as they swept the Twins, excuse me, swept the Reds. Matt, who do you got in that one? Now this is another tough pick. You know, initially I thought that I have a bit of a biased description for this series. However, uh, Sanchez and Alcantara doing their job silencing the Cubs' bats, making my pick very objective for the National League Division Series, especially this one. It's a it's a tough decision because Marlins, you know, they're the underdog. They come to play. They're playing with nothing to lose, and that's the attitude you need to win series. However, you know, anytime you run into a tough team like Atlanta, it's very, very hard to navigate no matter how, what your experience is, no matter what your season has been like. And again, these teams have seen each other quite a bit throughout the regular season. And in this series, I just got to go with experience, especially when you need to go best of five. You know, the Atlanta bats have been phenomenal and also, if you take two swings away from that Cubs series, who knows? The Cubs we might be playing game three, or you never know. Like, it's just a difficult situation knowing that, you know, Miami can't play the way they did against the Cubs on the offensive side and beat Atlanta. However, if the pitching if the pitching's there for Miami then I think they stand a fighting chance. But my prediction overall, I think Atlanta takes this one in four games. I think they're going to get a win either out of Alcantara or Sanchez. But other than that, Atlanta's too good of a team. They had a premature ending last season. They have a chip on their shoulder, and they're going to take it. All right, Tommy, you took the low seed in both of the American League series and the Dodgers, the high seed in the first NL1. Are you taking the low seed Marlins in this one? I'm not. I'm going to go with Atlanta. I... I agree with everything that Matt said. The Marlins have been a great story this whole year. I'm very happy um, to see how well they've done. Um, I, you know, I wasn't happy to see them knock out Matt's Cubs there, um, but I was happy to see them get into the postseason. But I agree with you, Matt. I think that the Braves are just the more experienced team, and that's going to help them a lot here. Uh, you look at what Freddie Freeman's done this year. He might win the MVP there in the NL. And he had that big walk-off in that 13-inning thriller against Cincinnati on Wednesday. And I just think guys like that are going to help him. They have uh, a mix of veterans and younger guys. Uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., Ozzy Albies. They're just, they have an incredible team that's going to be around for a long time to come. And I think this is their time, like you said, Matt. I think that they've gone out a little too early in the past couple of years and they're going to win this series, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm also going to um, take Atlanta in four games. I just think that the Marlins will get one win, but I think that ultimately Atlanta's going to be moving on to the NLCI. I got to agree with you. We got a clean sweep for the Braves in this one, and really for the National League in general with the Dodgers and the Braves. We predict them the face in the NLCS. I guess you can conclude that. With the Braves, I think they're a team that have been brewing for the last three years or so. In 2018, it was a really fun story. They're coming up. A lot of rookies, a very young team. They're back in the American League East. 2019, different story. Had a lot of expectations and lost to a lower seed in the St. Louis Cardinals and were absolutely embarrassed in Game 5 of that division series. Here they are winning or advancing 
advancing to their first or advancing in their first postseason round in over 10 years. Uh, I think they're going to take advantage of this young Marlins team, but at the same time, very old Marlins team as they have a lot of veterans in Corey Dickerson, Matt Joyce, Boxberger, Kintzer, and so forth. But if the Marlins are going to win this game, it's going to be straight through their pitching, which was heavily displayed against this in this series, past series against the Cubs. Uh, the top three in their rotation, uh, in Alcantara, Sixto Sanchez, and Pablo Lopez have all been really good this year. And then as I mentioned, Boxberger and Kintzler at the end of the pen have been really good as well. But I do have to go with the Atlanta Braves in this one. All right, that's all we have for you guys today, but thank you so much for tuning in once again. This is On the Mound here on VIC Radio. We'll be here every Sunday from 10.30 to 11 a.m. For Matt Sossler, Tommy Muma, I'm Max Tanzer. We thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time and enjoy this jam-packed week of playoff baseball.